Hello and welcome. Thank you for reserving this hour with me. I am your host, Coach Debbie, and you are listening to Story You Talk Radio here on KKNW, 1150 AM in Seattle, or perhaps on TuneIn, or catch the replay on iTunes and Podcast One. Today, we are going to talk about my favorite topic, and that is love. And I don't care if we're talking about love in your romantic life or love in your business life, meaning how you love that business, or love in your family life, love in those finances. You know that love is its just my favorite topic because it shows up everywhere and... It shows up in our stories. Coach You, uh, sorry, Story You Talk Radio is my brand for coaching because these are the stories we live by. And this is how we make the chapters in our life, how we unfold each day, how we create our stories. So I am a writing coach here in Seattle, Washington. I was a professor of English for two decades, and I loved it, and I loved my students, but I really, really, really wanted to help people write their books. And I found that the people coming to me were typically undergoing some sort of transformation. They had been through some wild and crazy journey, and they said, hey, do you think this could be a book? So we talk about that. You can always be one of those people who would talk to me about that by just going to my website, and that is www.coachdebbie.com, and Debbie is D-E-B-B-Y. Thank you, Mama, for that. I'm so individual. Coachdebbie.com. Just click on Booking or Connect, and we'll get 30 minutes together to find out what you're cooking up tends to be that I use sort of the Joseph Campbell model of the the 12 steps of the heroic and the heroine's journey because it just seems that that's what most of us go through. We, we have our regular everyday life going on and then bam, something happens and it sends us into this spin. And that seems to take us down an incredible path and if we stick with the inquiry, And if we stick with the development, we find ourselves in a very unusual and different spot than we could have ever planned. But in a way, it was all part of some bigger plan. And we find it's a place where we have a lot of genius. So I lead people through those stories. And often people say, I want to write my book about this. And so we do. Again, that is www.coachdebbie.com, D-E-B-B-Y, and I would love to meet you there. Today, we are talking about the idea of becoming the one, as in you are the one for someone. And I looked far and wide for the perfect person to talk to about this. And I found a young man with 128,000 followers on YouTube, meaning a lot of us are aware that he has very, very key advice. 
He is an NLP counselor and coach based in the in Colorado and originally from Illinois. And his name is Clayton Olson. You can find Clayton Olson Coaching.com. Ooh, I better I better double check that I've got that address exactly right. But we're going to be bringing him on the show in just a minute. And I want to encourage you, if you have questions for our love coach, I want you to call us. And the phone number is 1-888-298-5569. You can also go to my Facebook page and get in the back end there on the messenger and send in a message. I see that, Michelle, you have already done that, and we are going to be getting to your message. I just want to add a very a very heartfelt message that you have written to us. I would also like to acknowledge the people that have brought it to my attention that they're listening live. So let's say hi to Dawn. Thank you for listening live. And Carla and Kristen. Uh, let's say hi to Michelle and Hannah and Jack. We also have Lydia and Marilyn and Carol and Corrine. Thank you very, very much for notifying me and letting me know you are with me live. Also, Annette says, if I can get it live from Italy, I will. Otherwise, we just want to say Hello, Annette Bond, and thank you so much for being with me last week when we talked about your personal and professional image. If you missed that show, you can get it on iTunes or Podcast One. All right, without any further ado, we are going to speak with our guest today who's brought to us by Skype Audio, and his name again is Clayton Olson out of Colorado. Welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well, Debbie. Thanks for having me. You betcha. You betcha. I found your YouTube channel hmm, maybe six months ago, Mm. something like that. Uh, You and Jack on there giving your side-by-side highly, highly thought-provoking and very wise offerings. Mm. And um, yeah, I became very, very loyal to you and started talking about you. And a friend said, why don't you have him on your show? And I'm like, why don't I? I? Great idea. Mm. So I'm really, really happy that you are joining me today. The very first question I have for you Mm. uh, is to just kind of ground our listeners. We're we're a lot of women and some men. We're yeah. in our 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and we care a lot about the topic of love. Mm. And we like to go deep, and we like to get in our car. Here, it's 4 o'clock. We're all driving home. We're, we're thinking about the day. We're thinking about what we're going into. And um, I, I slipped in that you're an NLP coach and counselor. Can you tell us what that means? Yeah. So NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And it's something that I've been into since I was 18. 
It was developed in the 70s by a gentleman named Richard Bandler and his partner, uh, business partner, uh, John Grinder. One of them was a linguist and one of them was a computer coder. And essentially what they did is they studied forms of therapy and forms of change work that were the most effective and they created a systematic model uh, to uh, teach others consciously, to pull out essentially what people were doing effectively unconsciously uh, with clients in terms of leadership and change and to make that process conscious so that it could be taught in terms of different models to help people shift and change the way that they think, the way that they experience things, uh, the way that they experience themselves. And uh, the school that I was, uh, I think I, I say, I speak very highly of them as NLP Marin, which is one of the uh, schools that I've most really recently been involved in for like the last three years. And uh, yeah, I use it all in all of my coaching work with folks. And it's what I have found over the last, say, 15 to 17 years of being in the self-development realm, uh, one of the most effective modalities for helping people shift beliefs and the stories that they craft about themselves uh, so they can start to have the experience that they want. Mm, very nice. The stories that they craft about themselves. Wow. So mm. some of the challenge that we have in love has a lot to do with the story we are writing about ourselves. Yes. That? Yeah. Mm. Can you yeah. tell me a little more about that? What are some of the stories that people tend to craft about themselves? Because I'm just, I'm getting the mm. sense that it might be a false story. Mm. Yeah, well, that's a, it's an interesting adjective to use um, of, about whether it's false or true or, or valid or not valid. Uh, all I know is that we craft stories about ourselves as we grow up to help us survive certain situations to help us get through life, to help us uh, grow into adults and still have a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes those stories that we crafted that helped us make sense of an earlier trauma or an earlier incident then become things that limit us later on in life when what we're wanting exists beyond those boundaries of safety. For instance, to fall deeply in love, to risk falling in love with someone else. Uh, that's when we start to bump up against some of these old stories that we might have around worthiness, around whether we are deserving of that love, around whether or not uh, we can handle that type of love. And if we have a story that we're not worthy, if we have a story that uh, we are not lovable, mm -hmm. some type of schema or persona that's online, uh, what often happens then is we will pick partners and we will get ourselves into situations that confirm that already existing story about us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I find that when I talk to people in my own coaching practice, I, I do life coaching, mm. the people that deny the idea around self-worth, um, mm. they have something a little closer to the surface that they can usually admit. So, mm. so I find that some of these stories are, are on different levels. Like, like for example, I, I was in relationship once and realized I was in dire trouble when, <laughs> when he mm. said to me, but I've always done everything on my own. Mm. And I thought, oh, man, 
Okay, so hmm. this person is basically saying um, the reason I'm confused about partnership is that is that I learned to be self-reliant long ago. Mm. You know, you're an extra. You're not really a partner. I don't really need you. Um, mm. So so some people can admit to that level or they can admit to something even more superficial, the story of, like, I'm a night owl. Mm. But do they admit that part of the reason that they got into that had to do with a, a lack of feeling worthy, mm. you know? And it's almost like it's our job to take them down that road so they can uncover it and they can, like you said, have that freedom again to live. Mm. And that makes me think that there are some topics that you provide on your YouTube channel that are probably really, just really, really popular for people, that, that people really gravitate to because... They're seeing their own story just in those titles, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that there's a couple different types of people that watch my channel. Now, I can imagine that there's probably many, many more than just a couple, but the two that come to mind that are relevant to what we're talking about here are the ones that look at relationship, the ones that look at getting into relationship, and they think that it is about, in some ways, perhaps uh, finding the right strategy or the right behavior that will have a certain effect on the other person that'll make them attracted to them or have them fall in love with them. Mm -hmm. And then there is another slice of individual that watch the channel that are listening to the underlying message that my business partner Jack and I are continually working to transmit, which is that all reflections that we create outside of us are reflections of the one that we have with ourselves. So we're wanting with our videos to move people from this idea or this paradigm of learning to control other or, or shift or adapt yourself so you can try to get the result with other to letting go of that paradigm, to working on the relationship you have with yourself, coming into deep rapport with yourself and right relationship with yourself so that when you are in the presence of another, you're able to fully be yourself and not leave parts of you behind because you're ashamed of them, you've rejected them, trying to hide them because that is ultimately what ends up leading to fragile and brittle relationships is when we are not showing up in relationship as fully ourselves, mm -hmm. honest, real, revealing. Yeah. And again, so many levels of honesty needed there that, that mm. real inquiry with the self of, you know, in what ways do I, do I feel whole and present here? Mm. Really, really available to to the self. And I, I saw one that the two of you did, and yeah. um, you two were talking back and forth, you and Jack, and you pointed out very, very concisely that if a person isn't used to being in a circle of love or being embraced by love, when someone true and real and partner-oriented and loving is in front of them, they might not recognize that it's love. <laughs> yeah, and in some cases, it actually might come off as uh, suspicious to right. them. Right. 
Yeah. Right. Because it does not confirm or is not congruent with how they see themselves. They're past stories. Yeah. So what ends up happening is a person might be thinking, well, wait a second, if they're giving me this love, um, maybe I'm maybe it's not real. Maybe they don't really see who I am because if they really saw who I was, they wouldn't actually love me or perhaps I'm trying, they're trying to manipulate me. So the love gets twisted and contorted in the same way that the the self love within themselves is occurring. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, is it hard to be on the other side of that because you're just always, always under the, the interrogating, blinding light of what are you up to? <laughs> mm-hmm. I just love you. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, it, it comes off as you. a mistrust. It does. It does. Well, my friends, we have come up to our first break here. We take a break at 20 after and 40 after the hour, but we also come right back. So stay tuned and we will be. People join Walk MS to raise awareness and funds that change the world for everyone affected by multiple sclerosis. MS attacks the brain and spinal cord. It's the most common neurological disease leading to disability in young adults. Walk MS brings communities together, creating teams with friends, loved ones, and coworkers to rally around those we care about and end MS forever. Join us. Together we are stronger. Walk MS fundraising accelerates research breakthroughs and life-changing breakthroughs. It will take all of our passion, determination, and fundraising to end MS forever. Together, we can change the world for people with MS. Join us. Register today, start a team, and raise funds at walkms.org. Make it a great day. Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. I am your host, Coach Debbie. And if you are just tuning in, today we are talking about love. And we're talking to Clayton Olson, NLP specialist, counselor, coach. And before we continue, I just want to give a little shout out from our sponsor, Kim Trimmer from IOY Yoga Studio here in the Seattle area. Kim is offering a retreat called Realize Your Radiance coming up here in June and taking place on Woodby Island. If you want to learn more about that, I want you to go to I-O-Y Studio. So those are three letters, I-O-Y Studio, which stands for Inside Out Yoga, dot com. And connect with Kim Trimmer for the Realize Your Radiance Yoga Retreat. 
I have been a speaker at her retreats. I have been a attendee of her her uh, retreats, and I got to tell you, they are wonderful. Check that out. I O Y Studio. Dot com. Okay, without further ado, we are talking to Clayton Olson, and his website is ClaytonOlsonCoaching.com. And his YouTube channel, where I first discovered him, uh, and his partner Jack Butler give incredible information and wisdom. Uh, every time I go there, there's something new. But he also offers what I feel is a really inviting and enlightening webinar. Uh, they really get down to business right away in it. And, and Clayton, can you tell us how we could have access to that webinar? Yes. So the, web, the webinar lives on my website, and it's uh, ClaytonOlsonCoaching.com slash three keys to being relationship ready, all hyphenated, and three is a number. I can also give you the link, Debbie, or if it makes more sense, they could always go to my YouTube channel, and under any of the newest videos, there's a link in the description to the webinar, and I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. So definitely go to the YouTube channel. But if you want to go ahead and subscribe to my newsletter, you'll find the link there. And you'll also find a little prize. Yes. So go ahead and subscribe to my newsletter and we'll give you the link and more. But something I was thinking, if you don't mind, Clayton, I yeah. think it'd just be great to uh, to offer up just one of those three keys to people. Just a, a little tidbit about one of those three. Because uh, we, are, we are really yeah. talking about becoming the one for someone else. Yes, yes. And what I want to also tack on to that is we're also becoming the one for us as well as individuals. You know, you're right. You're right. We got to start there. You got to start there. You're right. Yeah, because when we become the one for us, it makes it so much easier to be able to see when someone is in front of us as a high quality person and up to and willing to play the same game that we're wanting to play in relationship. So it really, it does start over here. It's becoming the one and yeah. So perhaps you can become the one for someone else and they can become the one for you. You know, we have a really great question on that. So I think we're going to go to that and then we're going to come back to one of those great tips from your webinar. I'm sorry, I interrupted you there. But Michelle, I saw that you wrote in earlier today and we've just sort of stumbled right into the topic that concerns you. So Mm. we're going to go for it here. Michelle says, people tell me I am a people pleaser, but Mm. all I really care about is helping people feel at home. That's it. That's like my M.O. in the world. I feel ashamed that I'm almost 40 years old and still alone. I can tell you that I like myself. I like who I've become in the world. But this, I think it's label, but this label, people pleaser, has Mm. got me feeling shameful. Can you help me understand what this is all about? Great. 
So it sounds like there's two parts here. One part is the I'm alone at 40 and I'm a bit upset about that. And the other part is I've got this label on me that I'm not completely sure is correct or I'm not feeling completely seen by whoever is giving me that label. Um, given yeah. that Michelle, yeah. And given that Michelle's bringing this up, it, it, I'm going to operate under the assumption that she is getting multiple reflections of this label from people perhaps that, that maybe care about her. Um, because we could say, well, if it's somebody that is close to you and it's happening in an isolated incident, it could just be their baggage that's coming up around seeing your generosity. And it might not be uh, something necessarily that you need to look too deeply at. Um, so that's one aspect to take into consideration. But if you're getting multiple reflections of it, Michelle, um, it could be that there is a certain role or persona that you may find yourself in where the generosity and the wanting people to feel at home is actually driven or coming from a place of anxiety or a place of uh, you being uncomfortable with where they are. Um, now, I'm going to say that I actually I speak from experience in, in this realm. I have had aspects of, of myself where I can slip into people pleasing and I'll just be a little bit vulnerable here and talk from, from my experience. Uh, I have found that sometimes uh, what masquerades as generosity is actually my own anxiety with other people's emotions and other people's discomfort. So if I am uncomfortable with how someone else is feeling or I am somehow taking over responsibility for other people's feeling of being at home around me, that can have me slip into this behavior of people pleasing uh, that can actually cross boundaries and be inappropriate because it's not respectful of where the other person is. So what I have to pay very close attention to when I may be going into this realm of people pleasing is where is the generosity actually coming from? Is the generosity coming from a place of really honoring where the person's at and allowing them to have the experience? Um, or does it feel like in some ways you're managing the other person? Are you trying to manage someone else's experience? And this is a question that it's important just to be honest with yourself about because no one can really tell you whether or not that's the case. Um, I'm just going to pause right there. Debbie, does that land? <laughs> I'm, I'm in awe of your answer. That is a powerful answer. And I feel mm. like the... The thing that Michelle probably doesn't know is that she's been trained to to help the control of the environment. Mm, and great. and that that went back somewhere to the early early days and it now according to others appears to be people pleasing when Michelle is likely being as authentic as she knows how to be because her training is through this, make sure the environment works out. And she's yes. doing it as authentically as she knows how. But if we take that away, you don't have to be the one that that rules the environment and that makes sure everyone's happy and, and comfortable and the perfect host. Then she can get down to the real and deep sides of 
of everything that Michelle is really about. And, and that, would, that would just offer just a little more freedom than she knows right now. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, I, I love that, the way that you articulated that, Debbie. Uh, what comes up for me as I hear you say that is this idea of, uh, I'm, I'm wondering how much Michelle how much, Michelle, you feel at home when you're in the presence of other people that are perhaps having a difficult time. Uh, is it possible for, rather than perhaps helping them to come home, is there an opportunity for you to feel like you can come home to yourself in those experiences rather than trying to have them come home? Yeah, and then that, what, that's key, yeah. Yeah, and how would that shift the way that you showed up and behave in the situation if that was the focus rather than other people's rather than the environment. Mm, very well said. Well said. Michelle, I hope we have served you well. I see you're listening online. And uh, if you want to give us a thumbs up, if you heard all that, we would love to see that. And come back for more. That was a really mm -hmm. good question. What we were really yeah, getting at here, and, and part of the reason for segueing into Michelle's question is, we're really talking about what does it mean to become the one? Mm. And it, in seeing that Michelle was very concerned about, you know, hosting others and and just wanting to help people feel at home, that that's a beautiful quality for becoming the one. But as Clayton and I were talking to Michelle, what's being shown is it might be in her training that she's got to. So what's mm. underneath that? Yes. What's underneath that? Well, in your webinar where you talk about those three traits, is there one trait today that you could just give us a little, oh, just a little behind the curtain, what it is you talk about in that webinar? Yeah. I'm going to talk about one that feels like it dovetails or plugs nicely into what we've just opened up here. So one of the keys that we speak to in the webinar is this idea of dropping any unconscious personas that you may be playing in the realm of love. Now, what is a persona? We could say that a persona is in some ways a set of games or behaviors or a, a way of, of being that could be either unconscious or coming from a place of reactivity and a learned behavior that we did when we were younger to survive a certain situation. Uh, just like we were talking about the people pleaser being perhaps a persona that one puts on to manage others and to manage their own anxiety. In the Relationship Ready webinar, we talk about two specific personas that uh, in the webinar, by the way, is is for uh, women. So I'm going to use uh, she and her as I speak to this. Okay. So one of the personas that we talk to is called the discarded. And the other persona that we speak to is called the defender. And these two personas are kind of on opposite sides. They're opposite polarities. Uh, but essentially what they are is one of them continually has the experience of not being enough in relationship, of perhaps feeling like uh, however they're coming across in the relationship, they're not getting enough, uh, they're not feeling like they are enough, uh, they're afraid of being left, 
they're insecurely attached in the relationship, almost waiting for the other shoe to drop. And the way that they compensate for this inner fear that is that is bubbling up at their core, rather than express it vulnerably because it may hurt too much and be too scary to speak out loud, it comes out in these uh, reactive patterns of um, sometimes it can come out from people pleasing. It can come off being needy. It can come off in uh, needing an incredible amount of reassurance. It can come off in mistrust. Uh, but essentially, it's it's not having faith or trusting the re- relationship or what's in front of you to be stable. This is one element. We call that the discarded. So constantly feeling discarded, feeling di- I, you know, one of the things we hear people that are in the discarded role say is, you know, I keep getting into relationship and I give everything. I give everything. And when is it finally going to work out for me? It just leads to the same thing. I just get used and taken advantage of. Uh, my love gets taken advantage of. I bet that person had it tough as a little one again. I bet that person was either bullied or the invisible one in the family. Or mm. I mean, something tells me that that's a long learned trend. Yeah. 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 That's my yeah. Absolutely. It all comes it all comes back to those early years where we learn to adopt these identities to make sense of parents or authority figures in our life that uh, were bigger than us and that we were vulnerable to. And oftentimes what what we do when we're young like that is we don't actually have the tool set to see that perhaps who we're dealing with is unstable or what they're doing might be incorrect or not the way to raise a kid. So we turn the judgment back on ourselves and we say, no, it's me. That's not enough. That's how I explain this chaos that's ensuing in my life. It's me that is unlovable. It's me that's unworthy. And watch me at age 35 correct it all with my next love. Yeah, right, mm, right. Great. And so we go jumping in full feet ahead going, I, <laughs> I, know, I know how to make sure that I'm never there again, hence the pleasing, hence that mm. feeling of I must, what was it? I must overcome the feeling of discarded. Is that what you called it? Yeah, it's like I want I want to prove that I am lovable, mm-hmm. uh, but it feels like an unwinnable game. Yeah, yeah, and one that I must win, an unwinnable right. that I must win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and who's the other, the defended? Yeah, the defended. So the defended, if we if we take the, uh, we almost look at it like a seesaw. If we go the other direction, the defended is the person who is a bit crusted over and jaded in the sense that they they've covered up those sensitive parts that the discarded might have with a sheet of armor. With, with a way of being in the world that is hyper-independent where they have built a life in which they truly do not need another person. And it's it goes into the realm, though, of um, almost pushing away intimacy yeah. because being they're, they're afraid that uh, of being relied on or suddenly having to rely on the other person. So there's this hyper-independence that forms. The defended can often be the other reactive pattern that the discarded goes into if the discarded has been hurt enough to where if they make a decision finally and boom something shifts in their life and now they're hyper independent and they're afraid of going back to the discarded 
so they cover themselves up with this armor. Uh, what they both have in common, one comes off as hyper-independent, the other one might come off as codependent, but what they both have in common is they're both uh, sourced in this place of insecurity and feeling uh, afraid of love, afraid of being seen, afraid of having, or afraid that they won't actually have their needs met. So one has all these needs that they're outsourcing to the other person, the other one has no needs and sees needs as weakness. So those are the two patterns that we see people most uh, of the time fall into that is getting in the way of how they date, of how they're in relationship, and that ultimately leads to a lot of frustration and things collapsing. Yeah, yeah. The defended has learned I must deny my needs, while mm. that discarded one has learned I, I have so many needs, I, I, I must look to the outside realm for them to be meet I, I can't do it all on my own yeah and and at the same time what's happening is is intimacy is not being met by either the, this this terrible fear that they're not qualified for intimacy yet mm -hmm. beautifully said well, on that note, let's take another quickie little break. Y'all have time to write in if you've got a question for Clayton Olson. Thank you. Marie, is that you? Oh, hi, Barb. How you doing? Better now. Did you know we had a little health scare with Jeff? Oh, no. What happened? Well, he had been short of breath and was really tired a lot of the time. He just thought he was getting old and was out of shape, but it turns out it was heart valve disease. How did you figure it out? He finally went to the doctor, and she was able to listen to his heart and detected the problem. I didn't realize it, but heart valve disease is more common than you'd think. They were able to replace the valve, and he's feeling so much better now. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. More than 5 million Americans are diagnosed with heart valve disease every year, but most people know nothing about the condition, and it can be deadly if untreated. That's why it's important to listen to your heart and ask your doctor if your symptoms may be due to heart valve disease or if you're at high risk. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatments for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back. This is Story You Talk Radio, and I am your host, Coach Debbie. And I am talking with Coach Clayton Olson. And he is an NLP coach from Colorado. Are you Denver, Colorado? I am. Denver, originally from Illinois. Chicago, yeah. Born and raised in Chicago, then moved to Wyoming actually for nine years, and then uh, down here to Denver where I had the nice balance of nature and city. Oh, nice. Did I tell you that in my little tiny years I lived in Park Ridge, Illinois? No. Did you know Park Ridge out there by O'Hare Airport? You know, I I've heard the name before. I've never been out there. Well, the planes practically landed on our apartment building it was so darn close to o'hare boy so yeah sounds kind of exciting and <laughs> possibly miserable at night <laughs> it was a little loud a little loud well listen we are talking about becoming the one and the things we 
we think about uh, for for being that one, first and foremost, for being that one in our own life and then being with someone else, partnering with someone else. I was doing a Zoom call on, was it Easter? I think it was Easter. And I was talking to a gal in Norway, and we were commiserating that there were so many years where we knew where we would be on holidays. And both of us now single, both of us very family-oriented, but both of us finding that 80 90% of our time is alone, that it can sneak up on us if we don't, if we don't prepare. And we've both found that the word lonely just isn't really allowed in society anymore. You're just not mm. allowed to be lonely. You're supposed to be something else. Um, can you speak to us just a little bit around this idea of being lonely and yet, you know, wanting to get back out there, find love, be a part of love and everything else, but knowing that there is this lonely thing going on inside that needs some attending. What, what do you and your clients talk about when you talk about lonely? Hmm. Well, I think you just opened it up with that last sentence there, that there's something inside that needs attending, mm-hmm. right? That there's this perhaps lonely part that can be attended to or get some attention. Yeah. I think that when we are desperately trying to avoid feeling lonely because we've made it wrong or there's some stigma around it is how we end up disconnecting from ourselves and making horrible partner choices and using dating and relationship as an escape from ourselves rather than as some beautiful platform to create uh, our best selves in. Wow. That's really, that's, that's worth, (laughs) that's worth a lot of money (laughs) right there. What you just said, that's worth a ton of money. How people Mm. are using dating now to escape themselves as opposed to finding that invitation to go toward themselves. Is it due to that fear that there's more loneliness in the self? I think so. I think so. From the clients that I've worked with and then my own personal experience, I'm aware of the times when I am trying to escape my experience through either opening my phone and looking at social media or flipping through the news uh, or, uh, yeah, being in a place where it's like I'm trying to fill and occupy myself with with people from a place of wanting to not feel what I'm currently feeling. And I think anything done with that intention uh, leads us to actually experience more of the same. Um, I think that if we practice disconnecting from those bad feelings within us, trying to distract ourselves and we're not practicing being with it, we bring that same level of disconnection. We bring that practice of disconnecting from ourselves, of avoiding ourselves into whatever relationship we create and we'll still be creating that experience of disconnection and loneliness even while we have a partner. Wow. Yes. Yes. And I think people really believe that the partnership is is a goal to obtain um, instead of that 
that more inward journey. We have someone writing in that's being very vulnerable here, and mm. I think this is really, really rich. I don't get very many questions from men. So I'm going to go ahead and offer this up, Clayton. This this is beautiful. Okay. Um, okay, so our, our writer is named Guy. Uh, he claims he's in Iowa City. Um, says, I don't know if I'm going to be able to catch this live, but I have something that's really heavy on my heart. And that is my growing up years were really stilted by several stepdads. I never really came to understand what it means to be a man because I was not like any of them. Now I find myself fiercely afraid of women and wanting just one at the same time. I want just one, and I can't seem to be seen as that, a monogamous guy. I just want one nice woman, but I really don't understand how to be a man today. So your topic, Becoming the One, it has me baffled. Mm. Mm. Oof. Yeah, Guy, thank you. Yeah. Baffled. Baffled. So what, what I'm picking up on there is what is intimacy? But what did, what did you hear in that? Mm. Yeah, I actually could really relate to that. I could really Good. relate to that. You know, I, I grew up with a father who was an alcoholic. And I will tell you that I, growing up, rejected masculinity because I saw it as dangerous and yeah. I saw it as unpredictable. I saw it as um, something that was not solid, that was not reliable. And it, it wasn't until my dad passed that... I went on the quest of really determining, okay, well, what does it mean to actually be a man? Mm -hmm. And what I think, you know, what I've come across in this time is I think it doesn't necessarily uh, mean just in, fall in the domain of uh, masculinity, but it just what does it really mean to be yourself, right? What does it really mean to, to be with yourself and love yourself? Um, I think that's where confidence and uh, comfort being comfortable with yourself actually comes from. And then from that place, the, the masculinity, perhaps the leadership, the initiative can then surface and be birthed. Um, so I think you know, to just come back to your question, uh, Debbie, what I heard in that is uh, I heard a man who is actually incredibly self-aware and who is doing the work, number one, by being vulnerable about this, yeah. Two, being able to just speak it out loud and be aware of this is what you're dancing with and grappling with. And it is a worthwhile journey and inquiry to be in. And that just the fact that you are able to distinguish this is the next level of growth for you, Guy, gives me complete faith that you are on the path and that it will unfold the way that it does um, because you're looking for it. Mm -hmm. Right, because you're aware of it. Um, so that's what I'm hit with it, with initially. I didn't hear a question from Guy in the midst of this, so I don't. Yeah, I don't want to jump in and start answering something that hasn't been asked. Right, right, and and he ended with the idea of, of feeling baffled. And mm. one thing I would just like to offer Guy is I I just want to tell you, Guy, I fell in love with a guy just like you. 
really lovable, really wonderful. And mm. and what I saw in him was was a fear that he was going to wreck it. And and so what I just want to say is the fact that you are so inquisitive and so open and that you sent in your question and that you're really, really trying to be clear that you are looking for just one mate and not, you know, a series of mates. Uh, may, maybe there, maybe there's some stigma where you grow up that most people are looking for many, many mates. I don't know, but I, I get the sense you're saying that you're the real deal and when you put yourself in front of someone who is the real deal, well, she'll see that. She'll absolutely see that. So so my just 10-cent advice here, Clayton's the one with the million-dollar advice, but my 10-cent advice here is just stay, stay close to your heart because when you see someone across from you that's staying close to hers, you're really going to know it. You will. Mm. Mm. You will. You're no, you won't be fooled by that. Yeah. Yeah. He's guy sounds uh, far along on this path, too. He, yeah. That, perhaps that's, farther along than he's given himself credit for. Exactly. You, I'm glad you said that because that's what I mean is when you get mm-hmm. far along, you, you recognize those that have traveled, too. You recognize it. Um, so, so accept that you have come this far and it was not in vain. It was so that you can see Miss Partner. You will see Miss Partner. She'll be, Mm. she'll be very recognizable to you. And, and you know what, Debbie, what I love too, is I'm, as I'm going back through what he said, I'm just loving the admission of being baffled. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like really like that, that is, that is where the openness and the curiosity and the inquiry is born out of is your ability and capacity to stay in this place of, you know, what? wow, I am baffled. And you know what? It's okay that I'm baffled. I don't need to know the answer immediately. Maybe this whole idea of becoming the one is not something that you're just supposed to get immediately because if it was, everybody would be doing it. And the truth is, this is one of the most I would say difficult and worthwhile spiritual journeys that a human being can go on is learning how to become the one for themselves. So if it is baffling you guy, it gives me faith that you're really getting the importance and gravity of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of the, the most generous thing, a a girlfriend said to me once about about my marriage was she said you know i give you so much credit for how thorough you have been on this journey because there were there were times when i just wanted to say well you know this let's just put this thing to bed you know let's just forget about this thing but i knew that was the wrong answer inside of me i knew i did not I did not come into this man's world and he did not come into mine so that we could just forget about it when we weren't sure what to do with it. It it was worthy of a full journey and I'm so glad I took it. I am so glad uh, that I was willing to be baffled, Guy, to be mm-hmm. completely baffled along the way and keep showing up in the counseling office saying, lead us to friendship. 
Lead us there. That's what we really are. Lead us there. It's a beautiful thing. It's a hard thing. It's an uphill thing. It's something that's going to make you exhausted and reach for your water bottle over and over again. But it's worthy of the commitment. Wow. Love that. So we've been talking to Clayton Olson from ClaytonOlsonCoaching.com with his million-dollar advice. I think it's million-dollar advice. If I had it, that's what I'd pay because it's just really, really spot on by someone who has studied it and walked it and continues to question what's in front of him. It's, uh, I, I hope to do a little collaborating with you, Clayton, in my upcoming book. Uh, you mm. didn't know I was going to say that, but yeah. I didn't. I, I would hope I'm to do a little. surprised and very delighted to hear about it. Yeah, yeah. If you like what you hear here, this is Story You Talk Radio. I have a guest about every other week. We always talk about the stories of your life. And if, if you have a story of your business, a story of your life, and you would like to turn that into sponsorship, I have three packages available. And we only take a few people a year, but you get, you get a real sexy dude's voice doing a commercial for you. You get all kinds of, of logo and and support and the outreach can be huge and as well as I did a little research um, another woman at this studio is getting about 18% improvement in her business since sponsorship if you're interested in that please go to my website www.coachdebbie.com and if you're interested in writing your book, a little coaching, or some of my best recommendations of where to find someone as groovy as Clayton Olson or him himself, then you should also be in contact with me. I have an incredible outreach of people, and I love, 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 love to refer who's best to you. Thank you again, Clayton, for joining me this week. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to continuing the conversation. Awesome. Catch our replay on iTunes and Podcast One. Until next Thursday, namaste, my friends. <laughs>